Turn in your Bible to the book of Jud. Everybody ever study the book of Jude? The book of Jude. It's the book right before the book of Revolution, a uh, Revelation. I'm going to cover this just a little bit because of some of the things that are going on in our country, not on the political system, but in the religious system. It had truly amazed me some of the theology that some of the FBC people have accepted over the years. It is wild. It is crazy. It is idiotic. And maybe like, you shouldn't say that. Yes, I will say that. It is wrong. If you do not know what truth is, you will not know what error is. And if you don't stand for truth, error will get you. Therefore, I have a responsibility to try to help people to see truth and error. Discern. So anyway, I want you to take your Bible and look there in the book of Jude. The main thing about this little bitty book, only got one little chapter in it, and it's talking about how to contend for the faith, and why contend for the faith, and how to contend for the faith. These two things are mentioned in this little bitty book. I covered some of this some time back, but I want to show you a few more things that I think are also important. And there are two basic denials that these false teachers have. So one of the reasons that we want to show why should we contend for the faith? Because of the apostate teachers. Teachers that deny that what this book says, that it is true. And if you will, look there in verse 3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation... It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Because, see, if you don't contend for truth, truth will disappear. Christians are commanded by the Lord to contend. It's almost like if um, you understand the devil is after you and after me. A roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And in that same portion of scripture it talks about resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Well, we have people that don't want to resist. Just surrender for the sake of peace. Let's just get along with everybody. I'll have to admit, I am not for getting along with everybody. I guess my whole ministry has been causing trouble. Not because I seek to cause trouble, but because I refuse to give in. I refuse to quit. I refuse to be dictated to. I don't know anybody out there who has the right given to them by God to keep Yankee in a little box. I've studied this book. I've tried to learn the scriptures and how to stand, how to walk, and what I'm supposed to believe, how I'm supposed to live. And that's what I want to do. And I leave everybody alone. If everybody would just leave me alone. But they don't work that way. So he says that you should earnestly contend for the faith. There's a battle going on. And it's a battle for the souls of men. That's why you and I are supposed to contend for the faith, contend for the truth. Say, this is what's right, and I'm not going to believe the lie. 
Now, Sunday morning, I'm going to talk about, well, I hate to tell you what I'm going to talk about. It has to do with what is a lie. What, what is a lie? Have you ever heard one? Would you recognize it if you heard it? Well, we'll talk about that Sunday. But anyway, it was once delivered unto the saints. So God gave us something and says, contend for it. Fight for it. Don't give in. Don't give it up. You believe it? Keep believing it. And the reason is, is because there's two basic things that we're swamped with in theology. Because there's people that say, well, if it's really by grace, are you trying to tell me that you can just trust Christ as Savior and then live like the devil and it doesn't matter how you live? So it's antinomian, which I have been accused of. And as he says here in verse 4, for there are certain men crept in unaware, not crept in underwears, crept in unaware who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men. So the Bible tells us, contend for the truth, because there's ungodly people that are trying to get you not to stay with the truth, to hold to the truth, to believe the truth, or pr promote the truth. And yet that's what God told us to do. We're before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of our God. Into lasciviousness. Lasciviousness means into a license for sin. So there's people that try to get God's people. Well, if you're saved by grace, it doesn't really matter. Just live in sin. Because you're going to heaven anyway. Well, that is true. I'm going to heaven anyway. But is it the will of God that I waste my life and live in sin? No. And I don't believe that's what God wants us to do. You see, they're always against that teaching of you don't get saved without works. You've got to do all these good works. And then they take those who do trust Christ as Savior. You don't need to do anything. See, before you're saved, do all the good. After you're saved, do all the bad. And both philosophies are wrong. The one is wrong because it ruins salvation. The other one is wrong because it ruins service. We don't do good works to be saved we're saved by grace and grace alone. And even though I cannot lose my salvation, it is not the will of God that I live in sin. And to use grace as an opportunity to, well, as a license for sin. Permission given to me by God to live any way I want to. God wants me to serve Him. Now look what He says. He makes a statement, and... Denying. So these, these two main things. So in the two basic denials, grace that leads to license to sin and denying the Lord. That Jesus Christ is not who he claimed to be. See, when you deny Christ as being who he is, you're saying that God is lying because God said he had a son and he sent him into the world. So you're lying about God that he didn't send the son. And you're lying about the son because he said he came from the father. So whenever they deny one, that's why he says in the book of 1 John, if you deny the Son, you denied the Father. And so there's people who deny that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So they're calling the Father and the Son both liars. And the Bible says this is 
a lie of what they're doing. Is there a religion today that even says that uh, Allah has no son? Allah has no son. Well, the Bible says Jehovah has one, but Allah doesn't have one. So Allah isn't God. Now, should I move on that because, you know, that's offensive to some people. That is as bad as burning the Koran. The things I'm teaching. Isn't that enough to scare you from wanting to come to church here? I'm serious. There'll be people that'll be afraid to come to this church unless Yankee softens it a little bit so that he doesn't come across so hard and so mean, so unkind and so unloving. But what's wrong with loving the people in our church? What's wrong with loving America that you hate the things that wants to destroy it? And there's some people that are afraid. See, the problem in America is not the politician. The problem in America is the preachers behind the pulpits. They don't have any spine. They're afraid of losing their job. They're afraid people's going to leave. They're afraid of not having the money to keep things going. They're afraid. They live out of fear. And that fear paralyzes a person. So they would rather just tiptoe through the tithers. Just keep everybody happy and satisfied. Just scratch your ear. Oh, that feels so good. Well, I don't think the Bible wants God's preachers to do that. The other thing I want to mention, there are three historical events that took place in the past, in the Old Testament, where there were false teachers, false prophets. They taught the people false things, and there was judgment upon those people. One was Egypt. One was Egypt. A judgment. And also, there was the angels. Also, Sodom. Those three historical events really took place, and it demonstrated that God is not satisfied with whatever anybody says and that God's people have a responsibility to believe the truth, live the truth, contend for the truth. Because, you see, if God's people don't do it, where are they supposed to get the light from? Where are they supposed to get the knowledge from? It's from the Word of God. So he makes a statement here in verse 5. I will therefore put you in remembrance. Remembrance. See, these are things that most people already know, but they forget. Look what he says over there in verse uh, 17. Verse 17, but beloved, remember. You see, verse 17 begins a new thought. Here it is talking about why contend. And in verse 17 for the rest of the chapter is how to contend. So why and how? So God answers all of this in just one little bitty book. But he makes this statement there in verse 5. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. God is saying, you've been saved. You've been given eternal life. But see, God is going to chasten even his children that will not contend for the faith. You know why so many of God's people are not found faithful? Because they've already been guilty of this. They did not contend for the faith. They did not do faithfully what God tells them to do. They do whatever they want, whenever they want. And because they have accepted a false philosophy, it affects their life. And there's a price to pay. God says, they didn't escape their unbelief problems back then. God chastened them. 
And for 40 years, they wanted to run in a wilderness. It didn't have to be that way. But that's because of the judgment of God. Did it matter? Because they no longer believed the truth? Yeah, it makes a difference. You see, it's not just that you start serving the Lord. It's can you continue serving the Lord? Can you continue and contend for the faith all the days of your life? Uh, look what it says in verse 6. And the angels which kept not their first estate but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness, under the judgment of the great day. Some were destroyed. God didn't let angels do whatever they want and get away with it. So why should you and I think that because we're under grace, we can do anything we want. We can live any way we want. There's judgment coming to the house of God. You see, the Christians in America that refuse to take a stand, the pastors in America that refuse to teach and to lead the way they should and affect the people that affect the vote, that affects the politicians, that affects the laws that governs our land. And because they refuse to do it, They'll lose their churches. We're going to lose our churches. Our people are going to be going underground. You see, there's people right now that don't like the idea that we are tax exempt. There's movement on by the atheists to tax all 501c3s. Look how much more money they would have if everybody paid their fair share. You hear a lot about this fair share. That's socialism talk. That's socialism. If you want to have fair share, then take the other 50% of all the people in America that don't pay taxes, make them pay their fair share. No, because he wants to give them a free ride off of those 50% that do work. I can tell I'm not going to win friends tonight. You see there in verse 5, the word destroyed. And then in verse 6, the word reserved. Those are signs of judgment. You see there in verse 7, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner giving themselves over to fornication, going after strange flesh, men with men, women with women. What do you think is going on today? If God judged them, what in the world do you think God's going to do to America and to the world? Oh, judgment's coming. Judgment is on the way. You see, it's already started. It's already started. People in America are going to pay a great price for tolerating wickedness. Because now, see, at one time, people were abhorred to think about two men, two women together. At the Democratic Convention, and then the next day, there's a picture of Barney Frank kissing a man. And then there was another picture of a woman kissing a woman. You say, I don't see anything wrong with it. They ain't hurt nobody. It's bringing the judgment of God upon this country. You say, why? Because God doesn't like it. It is a sin, and it is wicked, it is wrong, it's ungodly, and there's going to be judgment to pay. You say, how do you know that? God's Word says so. Now, we say we believe the Bible. Do we really believe the Bible? There is judgment coming. Now look in verse 7. And going after strange flesh, or get this, these two are set forth. See, destroyed in verse 5, and reserved in verse 6, and set forth for what? An example. Why did God do that? An example. 
suffering, present tense, the vengeance of eternal fire, and that happened a couple thousand years ago. Oh, 3,000 years ago. Uh, maybe even 3,500 years ago. But, and they're still there, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. So did they do what they do and, and get away with it? No, they didn't get away with it. You can't live in sin and win and get away with it. It is still wrong. It is wicked. Do you think God wants his children to do right? Yes. If you don't, God says he's going to have to chasten. He's going to have to discipline. But anyway... As you go down through here, it says in verse 8, likewise also these filthy dreamers. Look what he says. Look what, but look what the Bible calls them. I am mellow compared to what God says. Filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion and authority, speak evil of dignities. And yet the Bible says Michael, the angel, he, he, had, he has power, but he has limited power. He even had the disputes over the, the body with the devil and so forth. Uh, that's all mentioned here. But the thing that I want you to see is, as you go down through here, look in verse 11. See in verse 11? There are scriptures about these false teachers and descriptions of these false teachers. And it's talking about in verse 11, woe unto them, woe unto them. Well, if the Bible says that, that means judgment. Why is this written? This is written to believers. This is a warning. We're living at a day when it don't seem like it really matters because, well, it's been like that for so long, and then we, it's done lost its, uh, you know, the shock value, and it's acceptable. What does the homosexuals want us to do? Accept that as an acceptable lifestyle. Now, it's not just an acceptable lifestyle. They want to get married. Why do they want to get married? Because, you see, Marriage was designed by God. God's the one that made the man, and God made the woman, and God brought them together. And it says, they two shall be one flesh. Two come together, one little baby. Two, one flesh. See if Adam and Steve can produce one. Or two women can produce It can't happen. Impossible. If everybody did that, it'd be the death of the human race. And some people can't even figure that out. So woe, woe unto them. For they have gone in the way of Cain. See, Cain had his own religion. He was a religious man. He just brought his works. Abel brought his sacrifice. You see, God accepted Abel's but not Cain's. Cain produced, he was the first modernist in the Bible. He was a liberal. He had to do it his way, and not God's way. Abel did it God's way, but not Cain. And so he says, there's those who are not listening and paying attention. And therefore, there is going to be judgment. He says here, and ran greedily after the era of Balaam for reward. There's people that will do it for reward. Now, he, Balak and all, he would prophesy. And every time he did, it became a blessing to Israel. So he finally came up with a scheme. He says, take your women and let the men have the women. And then God will chasten them. And it worked. But he did it for filthy lucre. He did it for gain and for power. You see, there's some people that care nothing 
about truth and nothing about this country. They simply want the position of power and honor as though there's somebody. But when that man, that politician looks at you and tells you how much he cares for you, he's lying. He wants fame, honor, power, glory. Majority of people have no concern for anybody else. They just use that. And it sounds so good. He cares about me. And that's amazing. I can sit there and watch some of those speeches going on. And there's people just all over the other just crying. I touched their heart. I cared about us. He wants to take and get everybody together. Show you how much he loves you. And all he wants to do is take all that money from all those other people and give it to you so you'll vote for him. He has no concern at all for those poor folks. If he cared about poor folks, why would he try to make so many more of them? There's a sermon there. Now look what he says. And perish in the gainsaying of Korah. Korah, why can't we had just as much power as Moses? I mean, God can work through us just like we don't need the Bible. There's other extra-biblical sources of authority. And so you wean people away from the truth of what God's Word says. A little lie here, and another little lie there, and another little lie here. And next thing you know, you've destroyed. Our country's been destroyed because the families are being destroyed. The people are being destroyed. There are six things, a good five of them anyway, spots. The Bible tells in the book of Ephesians in chapter 4, Maybe chapter 5. Talks about keeping your garment clean. Yeah. These are spots in your love feast. In other words, that shows you love somebody. And you're doing what you're doing because you care and you love. He says, but that philosophy is putting spots all over your white, beautiful gown. The Bible talks about he doesn't want us. To have spots all over our robe of righteousness. From the filth of the world. Because we believe something that we're not supposed to believe. And so he says, these are some of those spots. That come from some of these wicked people. And this is his definition. As he describes them. You see where he says there in chapter 12. These are spots. When they feast with you. Feeding themselves without fear. As a shepherd is supposed to feed the flock, they're being fed, feeding themselves. We often call it, they're not feeding the flock, they're fleecing the flock. There's people that want to fleece everybody. Can you imagine how many millions of dollars are spent on an election? That's more than I made last year. You're talking about billions of dollars. When you add all of it up, it's incredible. And then Jesse Jackson's son has been out of work for a couple of months, but they still get paid for several months. Don't even show up for work. Look how much time Obama had been running around the country doing all of this, um, as you would say, fundraising, political timeout. From his job, because that's not his job. His job is not to raise money for his next election. We are supposed to be paying him to go into that White House and do a job. Is he working with Congress? There's nothing being done. 
and he flies all over the place in that Air Force One. And America pays for it. And what is he doing to stabilize our country? I get upset just a little bit. But now notice what he says here. Feeding themselves without fear. Clouds without water. And trees. In verse 13, waves of the sea. Wandering stars. These are descriptions of those that we need to contend against. They are giving us the impression that there's something that they're not. They deceive. They lie. And there's people that believe those lies. Instead of saying, wouldn't it be great if we had people with some character that knew truth and you could put godly men in place of leadership and you didn't have to worry about it? You know, there's always somebody lobbying from different parties. You to send them money so they can go up there and lobby and we're fighting for your rights. Why would we have to fight for our rights in between elections if we put good people up there? They're supposed to be defending our rights by the things they pass or don't pass. If they only pass that which is constitutional, we wouldn't have any problems. What they're doing is not passing things that are constitutional. They're passing whatever they want. Constitution means nothing. And then it says here in verse 14, Enoch also the seventh from Adam prophesied of these. Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all, to convince all that the ungodly deeds and so forth. You ought to see how many times the word ungodly is mentioned down through here. It means they're not like God. They're not like God. They're not like God. And so he gets down here to verse 17. But, beloved, like the whole tone has changed. The way it's worded is a different attitude, a different spirit, because he's warned, now he's pleading, beloved, you remember the apostles told you something. Do you remember what they said? They told you that there was going to be these problems come. But see, what hurts is when they don't listen to what God says, and they believe the stuff that does the damage. You see, in verse 17, but, beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lust. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the spirit. I would say they don't have the spirit, and the spirit there is kept, so... Any man who has not the Spirit of God is none of God's, as it says in the book of Romans in chapter 8. 